Today, you know, if you are a female, I want you to stand to your feet. If you are a female, stand to your feet. Praise God. Amen. Okay. Yes. Come on. Let's give them a round of applause. Okay. Today, I'm going to talk about a touchy subject that, you know, I realized that I wanted to preach so badly. Uh, but the opportunity did not come. But I just felt liberty to address this issue, woman in the church. Because many of us grew up, you know, with our culture and our culture, the way we see a woman. Let me say first of all, you know, before I begin, I want to thank God for all the ladies. Uh, I, 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 it was a Sister Jenny Miller who taught me a home Bible study, you know, uh, and Sister Willoughby that helped me become the man of God that I am today. You know, I'm blessed by the wonderful ministry of Leah Lee. Uh, you know, I would not be standing here today if it's not for her, so I give her honor. I also give honor uh, to my mother-in-law who is not here, you know, who has been a very integral part of uh, my, our ministry. I was thank God for my firstborn, Adora Lee, you know, who has helped me become the babysitter of the family. I thank God for Abby, who has given me some good advice and make me think about certain things that I never thought about. You know, and I, uh, there's so much more that I want to thank the ladies for. And, and again, today, uh, my purpose of this lesson is to free you, to empower you. Amen. Since we celebrated International Women's Day, right? <laughs> Amen. I saw everybody International Women's Day. Okay, so I thought, wow, that's a cue for me to talk about women in the church. I want to destroy some scripture that you read so plainly and, and some people say, submit, silent. I'm going to destroy that, that argument. Okay? Uh, again, how many of you are blessed with a woman ministry? Raise your hands. Amen. Praise God. So again, today we give you honor. Amen. Come on, let's give them another round of applause. Okay, uh, again, I'm going to ruffle some of your theology a little bit. Today it's quite deep. Okay, because we're going to study the Word of God. We're going to study the context of every scripture that talks about silencing a woman. And then after that, you know, uh, 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 people cannot use that against you. And, and also, I think it's very important that at the end of the day, my goal is that, you know, don't see them. <laughs> you know, ladies, you don't want to run away from responsibility. We need you in these last days. I, I, I thought it was very funny because the Bible says pray for laborers. The harvest is truly plentiful, pray for laborers. And then after that, you got a bunch of ladies that want to work. Hey, silent you. Weird, right? So today we're going to talk about the woman in the church and how we desperately need everybody to get on board, and how we men can empower the ladies to do the work of God. Amen. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. Come on, wave your hand at me. You're looking very serious and say, yeah, don't make me work late. Come on. We need everybody in the labor. You know, in this last day, Jesus Christ is going to come back again. Can we just lift our hands one more time and let's pray and ask God to bless our ladies today. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we are so grateful. We are so grateful, God, that you have given us, God. God, our ladies, Lord, they have been such an intricate part of the kingdom of God. And I pray, Jesus, today after hearing the word of God, Lord, that, 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 that the burden 
of the work of the Lord will be imparted to them and they will be empowered and they will engage with you and rise to the occasion. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you will help us. Lord, lead us, God. Lord, tear down every culture barrier. Tear down anything, God, that is not like you, Father, right now in the name of Jesus and all God's people say, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. More of that later. We will continue to, you know, let the Holy Ghost speak to us. You know, I, I really believe when Jesus came, Jesus came to break all the gender bias that was held by the Jewish culture during his day. And I'm going to talk about how the Jewish treated the ladies, okay? Yet, it seems, though many accepted his ministry, they ignore the example he set for them. Indeed, he realigned women with the kingdom of heaven, positioning us, to receive the spirits outpouring for, uh, for the last days. So let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Found in your scripture. Amen. Okay, and it reads like this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Come on, everybody say prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Okay? In the New Testament, the word prophesying really means speaking for God under the direction and the holy anointing of the Spirit. It includes teaching, preaching that is anointed of God. You see, again, you know, sometimes I, I, I know some of you may not know this, but, you know, uh, I've been to churches where they do not allow women to speak for a reason, okay? And, and I'm going to quote that scripture for y'all, okay? Uh, I was so surprised, you know, there was uh, this uh, 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 man of God that we sponsor came from Pakistan and he was so shocked that the women are leading worship. They go like, I mean, they are still in awe of the fact that, huh, women can do this, huh? You know, perhaps their culture has blinded them. In fact, there are many cultures. In fact, it was not too long ago, you know, in, 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 for my own personal experience with, when talking with my grandmother, you know, my grandmother would give her inheritance to the only son, not the begotten, the only begotten son, but only son, and all the ladies get nothing. How, how many of you are acquainted with that kind of culture? Amen. Maybe you are a victim of it. I mean, all the ladies, I mean, if they share the wealth today, oh my goodness, I'll be rich. <laughs> you know, but the only son got everything. Like, I mean, like, what's the deal? And, 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 and thank God that you ladies are living in this generation. In the past, you know, you don't have the liberty to go study. In fact, not too long ago, sometimes when I was dealing with uh, some uh, 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 a situation where, where, where uh, and not too long ago, in fact, you know, they were brought up in a culture where uh, yeah, a woman don't need to study, uh, they get married, lah. You know, and, and, and all the education was given to the son. Man. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus came to liberate women. You know, the popular argument is this, oh, you see, uh, Eve uh, uh, was deceived, that's why it caused all this problem, uh, Eve, lah. But then, don't forget the story did not end there. Mary redeemed us all. Amen. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. 
So we cannot use that argument. So today I want to talk about a few things. You know, first of things, that, that, that things that we share in common with the female and the male gender, things we share in common. The first thing is common salvation. Amen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. You know, men and women alike have a common standing before God in Christ and share together the gift of the Holy Spirit and prophecy. Since this is so, are not they both equally capable of making contributions in the church and decision-making? Spiritual equality of men and women should have some effect toward equality in their social relations in the church. Spiritual reality should find expression in the concrete life of the church. Amen. Everybody say praise God. You see, you know, I'm so glad. You know, there was a time that women cannot vote, you know that? Amen. But in the kingdom of God, God equate a man and a woman, they have, they have equal rights but may not fit equal roles, okay? Amen, okay? Everybody say praise God. And another thing that we share in common is number two, occasional leadership roles for women in the Old Testament. Okay? Uh, Miriam, a prophetess, helped lead Israel. Deborah led and judged Israel. She prophesied God's command to Barak. Hoda advised national leaders concerning the book of the law. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 14 and 20. Amen. Okay? And, 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 and there are in, and the next part is number three, roles of women in the New Testament church. Okay? Uh, one of the roles is being a co-worker, Priscilla, instructor, Apollos, concerning the way of God and was a co-worker uh, with Paul, Euodia, and Saniki, Siniki, sorry, Siniki, also called Paul's co-worker. Just imagine if you call your daughter Siniki. Amen, okay. Then, prophet, uh, Peter thought that women would prophesy. Paul gave guidelines of women who prophesy. Philip's four daughters prophesied. Amen. Then we see another role here, deacon. Phoebe, this one for you, Phoebe, uh, was a minister, a deacon of the church. Okay, help Paul. She was probably the one entrusted to deliver Paul's epistles to Rome. Then there was an apostle. You know, her name is Junia. It was quite possible that the name Junia was an apostle. Paul greets Andronicus and Junia as outstanding among the apostles. Romans chapter 16, verse 7. Okay, but some models translation called this person Junius a male name instead of junior. However, okay, we have historical record that prove the early church fathers took these two people, Andronicus and Junior, as husband and a wife team. A fourth century church father say how wonderful it is to be called apostle and how doubly uh, wonderful it was for the woman to be called an apostle. So historically, we see that women play a significant role in building the kingdom of God. Then we have another 
uh, a house church leader. Maybe we call them care group leaders. Huh? A woman is recognized in a connection with five and the six churches mentioned in the New Testament. Lydia, Priscilla. Uh, then we have Nafa, Nifa, and Ephir. How many of you, you know, Charles, maybe you will consider that you will name your daughter Ephir or Nifa. <laughs> Amen. Those were prominent figures, you know, that helped the early church. Okay? Again, you see, when time and time again, when you read scripture, women play a very important role in building the kingdom of God. Everybody say, praise God. But having said that, we must recognize, according to the Bible, a woman must be subject to her own husband. There can only be one final authority in any family unit, and God has chosen the husband to be the final authority in the home. Along with that authority, the husband also has the ultimate responsibility to provide for his family. He must love his wife as Christ loved the church, must honor his wife. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Otherwise, his prayers will be hindered. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. The woman came from the sight of the man and not from his head or his feet. Everybody say, praise God. <laughs> she is not to lead him or to be under his feet, but to help him. If she is married, a woman's first responsibility is to help her husband and to care for her children. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Come on, wave your hand at me. Everybody say, praise God. But here comes a very touchy issue. Okay, pastor, how about 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 to 36? Good question. I'm glad that you asked the question. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 to 36. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let your woman keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also says the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Here comes the key verse that helps us understand. What? Came the word of God out of you? Or came it unto you only? Okay. If when you first read the word of God, if you do not know the context, you will be gone. Everybody say praise God. Come on, if you do not know the context, you'll be conned. If we interpret scripture directly just by reading these verses, we're going to have issues. This means that the Bible is inconsistent because we see God work through women and spoke through them. Come on, everybody say praise God. You know, some denominations apply 1 Corinthians 14 verse 34 to 35 by simply not allowing a woman to speak in church services. In fact, we had some guests that came from other countries and they saw Sister Jenny Miller preach at that day. You know what they do? They got up on their seats and they walk out. Wow. TJ, however, cannot do this. Come on, everybody say praise God. Come on, raise your hands. Everybody say praise God. Come on, are you with me here today? We immediately see the tension this passage presents because we know the Spirit is for everyone. When God's spirit moves on a person, the mouth moves, either in tongues or prophecy. This was true of the prophetesses in the Old Testament, and it is true 
of God's daughter in the New Testament. Scripture encourages women in the church to pray out loud, prophesy, speak in tongues. So let's dig into the scripture today and see what the scripture really means. So let's begin by going on to understand the context of this scripture. Everybody say praise God. Amen. Everybody say praise God. You know, every time when you read the word of God, something don't sound right, you got to do some study. You cannot just take one this and one that. You know, the scripture says, Judas hung himself. Then you take another scripture, go do likewise. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't feel right. And every time when, when, when someone says, oh woman, you got to keep silent, it doesn't feel right. I mean, first of all, number one, we all need the laborers that we need. Come on. And the gospel, how will they know the gospel if we don't tell them? Amen. Okay, so in order for us to understand this particular scripture, we need to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Amen. Starting in chapter 12, the apostles show how every part of the body was necessary and no one should say that we have no need of another. Preceding that statement, he itemized a list of the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? And the list goes like this. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. If a woman cannot speak in the church, then how? Then here is how a woman would see the gift list if she must be silent. You have to take away the word of wisdom, <laughs> the word of the knowledge, prophecy, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. This would be in direct opposition in the theme of 1 Corinthians. Amen. Everybody say praise God. Come on, everybody say praise God. I mean, one moment, Paul say, I need everyone. You're all members. These gifts are given to you. The manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit is given to all. The same Spirit work all this, distributing each one individual, individually as he wills. Clearly, vocal silence is not the goal of Paul's statement. I mean, first of all, he get you all hired up. God wants to use you. Then, uh, uh, you ladies, I mean, it's like, like, like an open door. Come, come, all come, come and collect your free stuff. But then after that, all the, everybody come and then, the, oh, except the, the ladies, uh, sorry. Uh. Doesn't make sense. Amen. Everybody say praise God. You know, then, then how would women believers to bring a psalms, to bring a teaching, a tongue for the purpose of building each other up if they are told to be silenced? Amen. So if verses 34 to 35 are to mean women cannot do these things, it would have made a lot more sense for Paul to say so before encouraging everyone to be involved. Everybody say praise God. Are you all getting this? Come on, look as if you're getting this. They say, Amen. Oh, come on, preach, brother. You know, the lady should keep on, yeah, preach, pastor. You know, <laughs> When reading 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you will notice the discussion concerns local con congregation in the Corinthian church. Then suddenly, you know, when you read about tongues and, and how you got put order, then suddenly, right, you know, the Apostle Paul addresses the woman in all the churches. Just do this, do this, do this scripture. It seems out of place compared to the surrounding context. 
Why suddenly uh, this guy talking about this? Then suddenly he talked about something else. Eh? <laughs> Talk about women. What caused this radical change in the flow of order? You know, in his unpublished notes on Corinthians, Kelsey Griffin suggests that Paul was quoting the people in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34 to 35. Paul wrote this letter of 1 Corinthians in response to the letter brought to him from Chloe's people. Amen. That means he was addressing an issue. Suddenly he talked about women. Because remember this, right? 1 Corinthians was addressing issues about order in the house of the Lord. Amen. You see, what was she trying to inform Paul or get his advice about? Problems and troublemakers. Remember that. There were problems and troublemakers in the Corinthian church. In fact, he referenced the letter of Corinth often and appears to quote it a few times. Much of the second half of 1 Corinthians appears to be a response to that letter. And among these believers, Jewish ways of thinking were conflicting with those of the Greeks. Watch how Paul handles a church matter earlier in the same book. Watch the pattern, okay? I want you to watch his writing. He first, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18 to 22, the context there was the corruption of the Lord's Supper. And the Corinthians were tragically abusing the Lord's Supper. You know, in, in, in Tabernacle of Joy, we have the Lord's Supper by taking a, 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 a bread or wafer or whatever, waffle or whatever you, are, you wanted. And, and a great, but, but in the Corinthian church, they were having a feast. They were having party. I mean, when you say, oh, it's time for us to have Lord's Supper, you know what? They have a feast and most of them come out drunk. Amen. You know, uh, 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 and then I want you to notice his response because that pattern of response, we see the same way that he responded when he deals with the woman in the church. Okay, he goes like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in or despise ye the church of God and shame that them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Again, he used the word, what? So, you know, Paul responded with what is a sarcastic response to the outrageous behavior during the communion service. Same response. What did the word of the Lord came from you? You see, Paul was addressing a Jewish members in the no, Paul was addressing the Jewish members in the, the church who wanted to continue their culture, tradition of women being silent in their synagogues. You know, in, in, in their writings, in their oral law, it is said that they are not permitted to speak but does not say who is not permitting them. If you start from reading from Genesis all the way to these verses, you will not find one instance where God instructs a woman to be quiet because of agenda. Come on, everybody say praise God. Come on, everybody say praise God. However, such written rule exists outside the Bible in the Jewish commentaries on the law. Since the Corinthian church started in a Jewish context, there were tensions between the Jewish and the Gentile believers. Popularly Jewish thinking view women as a moral threat even considered them to be shameful. Shameful is a strong word. Did the Jews and their law say that uh, talking women were ashamed? Rabbi Johanna indicated that 
talking to a woman would send a man to hell. That's the Jewish culture at that time. The oral law also thought that it was a shame for a woman to let her voice and be heard among men. So, it is no surprise that they would demand that a woman be silent. So just like how he addressed the Lord's Supper, he was also being sarcastic to this outrageous behaviour. What? Let's, let's just read that scripture again. <laughs> you know, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 36. What? Came the word of God out of you or came it unto you only? When you read this scripture, this verse of scripture, Paul, when we see his pattern of writing, he was being sarcastic. Amen. Are you, is this making sense? Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. You're looking lost there. Hello? Okay or not? You want me to go back and do again? I need you to get this. Amen. Okay? Everybody say praise God. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. Okay, you say, okay, Pastor Tim, how, how about second... Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 18 and 15, okay? You know, or 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 11 and 12. So let's read the whole context of 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 to 15, okay? Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 to 15. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be silent. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness, with self-control. Okay, there you go. <laughs> woman cannot talk, ma. <laughs> first of all, the word silence doesn't, it's not the same word of the silence that is first found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The word silence there means be peace. Okay? Peace. Be a peacemaker. Everybody say praise God. Are you all with me here today? Amen. So, so don't say, ah, that, that's another word for silence. You know, that was the different word from the silence that is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. Different script, different word. Okay, in order for us to understand, okay, I, I need you all to watch me here, amen. Let's go down to the background context. Paul wrote to urge Timothy who stationed at Ephesus to charge some that they do teach no other doctrine because false teaching was at work in the church. This includes fables, endless genealogies which cause dispute, not just among the women. In, you, you can find this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. He also warned the younger church leader that some having straight have turned aside to either talk desiring to be teachers of the law, but unfortunately they were understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. Too much confusion, wrong teaching had created a chaotic mess which Paul wished he could come and straighten out himself. We can read this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 15 and uh, chapter 4, verse 3. He warned against all wise fables and women 
who had already turned towards Satan. First Corinthians, uh, First Timothy chapter five, verse fifteen. Okay, about thirty-five percent of uh, this epistle, First Timothy, deals with correcting false teaching. Thirty-five percent. While the false teacher included two men named uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander, even such women were saying things they ought not to. Okay, the remedy was for Timothy to teach and speak out clearly and to be sure those who were teaching the truth received proper support and not mistreatment. He had no tolerance for those who teach something that was not of Christ. And after addressing measure to set the church in order, Paul concluded by re-emphasizing this saying, Oh, Timothy, God, what was committed to your trust, avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge by professing it some have strayed concerning the faith. Paul told his understudy to instruct certain believers to teach the truth. If Paul had believed that only men could teach, he would have said, appoint faithful males to teach. But he did not say it this way. All scripture, when it refers to teaching ministry, are gender inclusive. Everybody say, gender inclusive. Come on, say gender inclusive. Because this is a big thing. I say this, this is a big thing. Because at that time, woman was not supposed to be educated. But Jesus said, Go teach the ladies. Come on, go. They need to hear. That's why I'm so excited when I see uh, 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 ladies getting their degrees, getting all those things that they need to do to equip themselves to go higher so they can take the church higher. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. You, know, you see, the Bible always both allow men and women to respond to the Lord's call to teach. You see, this statement about a woman learning in silence comes in a chapter that big begins with Paul exalting that prayer be made for everyone, including civil leaders. Remember 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He talks about prayer, you know, be made for all leaders. That's what we have been praying. And then he explains such prayers were skipping in God's own nature because he wanted all to come to truth. Amen. And the key truth Paul presented was about that one God and one mediator. Then Paul addressed the topics in 1 Corinthians chapter Timothy, okay, chapter 2. He starts to address for men. This means that they would, they would pray with pure hearts, without wrath and doubting. You see, apparently, all these godly men were annoyed because of this false teaching. And one of these false teachings they had was, you cannot marry. Amen. And all of them get, oh, Lord, just kick them out. I want to punch them. Eh. I mean, causing this confusion. My wife is questioning this. My wife is questioning that. You know, I, I mean, all the, that's why, you know, uh, Paul says, hey, 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 you will never win anything by, by getting your blood pressure, you know, control. Don't, don't, don't operate in resentment. Pray without wrath and doubting. Amen. The key is to be teaching the people. Okay, and the men apparently were annoyed, causing Paul to urge them, pray without wrath and doubting. This could easily be translated manifestation of anger and disputing with a false teaching forbidding marriage relationship as referenced in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. One may not be surprised to know that husbands were full of wrath. <laughs> that means you're saying that we are sinning, uh, I married to my wife, we are sinning. Uh. I mean, they were all angry, you know, but, but again... 
Paul say, don't let the anger control you. Don't let anger intoxicate you. Constant, consistently, we find a need of peace and quietness in the efficient church. Church facing false doctrine, church conflict. The Apostle Paul wrote under the power of the Holy Spirit to the woman, adorn themselves in modest apparel, propriety, moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing by which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Again, some people have told me, my way of dressing, nobody can tell me. If you dress in moderation, in propriety, what do I mean by propriety? It means you dress respectfully. I mean, come on. I mean, look. I'm 50 years old. I think it would look disgusting if I wear a shirt that's very tight, 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 tight. Then my belly come out. No muscle or someone to show. I mean, that's not proper. Amen. Come on, everybody say, praise the Lord. I mean, it says that if you want to, you adorn yourself with proper clothing. Clothing matters because you represent God. Amen. I'm, I'm going to be preaching about holiness. I feel that I have to talk about it soon because I cannot take it. I see too much they talk of, of, of people and I have to talk about your dress and your... I mean, folks, if you put it out there, Instagram and all these things, I, I have to address it. Your clothing matters to God. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. Come on. Everybody say praise the Lord. You know, again, I, I want to give you some context in this place called Ephesus. You must understand Ephesus. Ephesus, they have a beautiful temple to the goddess of Artemis. You know, the Artemis, you know, the Greek call it Artemis, but the Roman version is goddess of Diana. Okay? So, many people believe that this uh, goddess is the goddess of fertility. Okay? And this, god, this temple was considered as the seven great wonders of the world, okay? The efficient woman grew up under that influence of Artemis whose followers were militant and exemplified their fervor, chanting, great is Artemis of efficiency. In fact, when Paul went there, you know, and he was turning the people back to God, and, and they had a, a people that come together in the Colosseum and they chanted, great Artemis of the Ephesians, they were so against Paul's preaching that they have to have a conference and then Paul was dealing with that, that, that issue. And, and again, you know, Artemis was the most popular god. She was believed to be the child of Leto and Zeus. She's never married because of the severity of her mother's labor, says the legend. She did not have a male consort, but her religion made her all her female Devotees superior to men. Paul mentions fighting with the beasts at Ephesus. He's probably referring to the struggle he faced against the followers of Artemis in Ephesus, who is known as the queen of the wild beasts. Wow, now you understand context, right? Make sense? <laughs> The efficient woman needed to be reminded of these things. Many women in their culture use jewelry to attract attention to themselves, either in goddess worship, as prostitute, or to flaunt their wealth. 
A godly woman, especially one who wanted to respond to the call of God, will only harm her testimony by letting extravagant accessories distract from the message. So, let's talk about the context of 1 Timothy chapter 2. Okay, now you understand who the letter was written to, right? That's why he wrote the way that he wrote. Okay, it begins with a reference to the public life and a statement to men regarding behavior everywhere. I, 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 you know, I, I, I want that all men will lift up holy hands and without wrath, without doubting, everywhere. Okay, it means that you cannot just wear modest apparel on Sunday and then other days you wear down well. In the, in the, the, the scripture says this, likewise, okay, everybody say likewise, in like manner also. Okay, so now he's talking about the command to the wife should not only consider, consider just a Sunday thing. You should, if you want to wear moderation, you should do it all the way. And this is the universe ruling for all women to be modest. It appears also as a universal call for women to behave properly towards their husband, not to preach to, to them or control them, or in other words, bully them, as be understood by many students of the scripture for generations. Amen. It, it's sad. But you know, uh, uh, the numbers have increased about not just husband abusing the wife. <laughs> Do you know it's more shameful and more unreported that women are bullying the wife? You, you laugh, but the increase have gone up. And they dare not report it because of the stigma that comes with it. Huh? You let your ma, you let your wife punch you. Uh? But it's so true. Come on, everybody, say praise God. Amen. So, I mean, like, 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 you know, if, 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 if a man punch you, well, good, like, hey, uh, uh, huh? your wife punch you, uh? But, but nowadays, women don't punt. Women use the words. They neck, 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 Until they move. Everybody say praise God. <laughs> Amen. Okay? I mean, nowadays, women are so educated. They say, oh, you don't give me money. Never mind. I go work. Oh, you don't bully me. I don't bully you. That's not the way you should be. Amen. Everybody say praise God. So let, let's, let's, let's try to understand this passage of Scripture, you know, right now. Because this whole First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, the context is really about the husband and wife relationship. Not the woman in the church. Everybody say praise God. That means again, you know, someone asked me, Pastor, the woman should support, uh, submit to me, but I'm the male. No. She's supposed to submit to her husband or a parent, not to just an ordinary male. Everybody say, praise God. So the whole context was actually to win the misguided or lost husband. Let's, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. And then, I just can't help it, but I've got to also, you know, compare this with another scripture that is very similar. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 3, I have a table that I presented for you so that you can understand, you can see it. Okay, First Peter chapter 3, you know, is, is there a table? Yeah. 
Okay, you can see it there. Okay, first of all, it starts with verse 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold, pearls or costly clothing. You know, I, I want to pause here for a moment and stop. You know, when we talk about modest apparel, it's not just about it covers your... I want to share this. You know, someone said, why below knee? Because that's a reference point. Amen. <laughs> your knee. I mean, I, I, I got to say this because a lot of churches don't teach this anymore. But men struggle with their eyes quite a bit. And all the men say, well, thank you. And all the men say, so you help us by borders apparel. I mean, in schools, they teach the, cho the teacher not to wear anyhow because you have a, a proper decorum. Amen. Come on, everybody, say praise the Lord. But when I talk about modest apparel, maybe some of us have the standard, but the price tag also not very nice. Eh? You can have a modest apparel, but you spend $300 on the skirt. Is that modest? Well, that's subjective. If your pay is $3 million, I got nothing to say. Now. You know, again, I mean, whatever you do, practice moderation. Don't be a stumbling block. Amen. You, you know what? There's always people looking at you. I, I still remember uh, there was a time, you know, that I don't just live for myself. I, 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 I told Jesse a long time ago, you know, he, can, he likes to, you know, balance himself on this, this break. You know, he can do it because he's older and he has more control of his body. I said, please don't do this. Your brother should follow you one. And your brother is only two years old. Eh? Please don't do it. He said, nah, never mind. And sure enough, the brother followed. Sure, fall down. Because he's two years old. You see, I don't just live for myself. As a pastor, I don't just live for myself. I consider your. You know, as a pastor, sometimes I consider about the best of everybody. You know what? Don't zoom in on you. Zoom in on the big picture. What am I creating a culture? The children that we are going to raise up in the future, it is not just about my fashion sense or what. It's about how am I going to raise the next generation. You may make it, but the next generation may not make it because you are flirting too close on the line. And when you are flirting too close on the line, guess what will happen? Your children will cross the line. I'm telling you this. I've seen it always. So don't say live to the minimum. You should live to the maximum. Amen. As a part of the body of Christ, you cannot have this kind of attitude. You want the, you want the benefits of the body, but then you don't play the rules. Or if I say the family uh, unspoken decorum, or oh, it's my rights, you know, then you will be held accountable because you are a stumbling block. Everybody say, Amen. Come on, everybody, wave your hand at me. Say, I love you, Pastor. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think I go home already. Amen. But, but I'm, I'm trying to say that you don't just live for yourself. You're living because of the branding of God. God doesn't want all men to fall into fornication. Do you not know that by the click of the button, by the look of your eyes, you can fall into fornication? So let's create a safe environment for the church. Everybody say, thank you, ladies. Amen. So then 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says this, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. 
okay? Then he goes on in verse 10, okay? First Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. But which become women of professing godliness with good works. Then in first Peter chapter 3, verse 4, rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. This is what you're supposed to adorn yourself with godly character. Amen. Everybody say praise God. You know, this is what a woman should do in order to win influence from your husband. You win it through your godly character, the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Come on, everybody say praise God. I mean, it's not about your beauty. Folks, beauty is corruptible. I'm not saying that tomorrow, pastor, you are telling me I don't need to gel my hair. I'm not saying that at all. I say, don't just focus on the outward beauty. You know, be careful that you wear so much mask that you mask up your godliness. <laughs> Amen. Everybody say praise God. Are you with me here today? You're very quiet. Eh? And then here comes another one. I didn't write this, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Let the woman learn in silence and with all subjection. Then in verse 5, in 1 Peter chapter 3, say, For in this manner, the former things, the holy woman who trusted in God also shall adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husband. Amen. So what does this mean? You know, when I say that, being quiet and silence, it's really about not accusing, always wanting to make peace. When you see something wrong, you want to clear the air. Hey, I see something, you know. You know, there are sometimes, right, you know, sometimes I have to tell Woman, chill, chill, enough already. He gets it. Hello, he gets it. Sometimes they go like, hey, why you haven't... You know, until wow, you corner the person. You, when you corner a man, get ready, man. He will come after you. So this is trying to say, hey, whatever you do, try to make peace. Come. Because only when a home is calm, you see, the wrath of man will never produce the righteousness of God. Let me say that again. He may be throwing his underwear in the house, never pick up, socks here, socks there. And you wanted to charge at him. I say, let the fruit speaks and bring conviction. I'm not saying that you should tolerate it. I'm saying that you should be patient about it. That's two different things. Everybody say praise God. Come on, everybody say praise God. You know, and then it goes on to tell us how not to talk to men in verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the men, but to be in silence. Okay, what does this mean? Okay. It means when you are in a relationship, don't keep on usurp his authority, thinking that since you are right, it gives you the justification to tear him down and say that you no longer have authority over me because I see all these mistakes. 
Wow. Ladies, I'm not at your case. Uh, this is what the scripture say. Come on, everybody say, God bless Pastor Tim. <laughs> Amen. Okay, come on, everybody say, praise God. Amen. I mean, like you, there is no justification for you to be in rebellion. I, I, come on, everybody say, praise God. There is no justification because when you walk into rebellion, you walk into the Satan's domain. That's, witchcraft takes over. You can be so right and so wrong. At the same time, everybody love me, you know. Okay, praise God. Thank you, uh, thank you, brother Dennis. The ladies all say, "Okay, enough, Ray. I thought you're talking about liberating us, but you're putting us in a box." <laughs> no, I am liberating. If you operate in this room, God's going to stand for you. Amen. So, so again, uh, it goes on. Uh, then, well, here comes a very interesting one. Okay, here comes a very interesting scripture where he says this, you know, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Then, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul brought up a negative demonstration of a woman, which is, for Adam was first, fall, and Eve. Okay, he brought up and helped them understand, okay, Eve was the negative demonstration, but how many of you are glad that we have 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 6? Come on. And then, here, the Apostle Peter, instead of using the negative in, uh, demonstration, he used the positive demonstration as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good, are not afraid with any terror. Amen. You see, there's a negative demonstration, but from this scripture, from the word of the Lord, there's also the positive uh, 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 definition of how Sarah obeyed amen calling abraham lord i'm not asking you to go back home and say uh, do, does this mean that i have to call my husband lord <laughs> no 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 i think the whole idea is the spirit behind how you deal with issues okay everybody say praise god are you with me then after that it talks about a quiet spirit let the woman learn in silence with with all subjection, but I suffer that a woman to teach not to usurp authority over the man, but to be silent. Amen. You see, we got to be very careful in this culture that we live in. It's called post-truth culture. You know, I heard uh, our speaker, you know, talk about post-truth culture. He said, what's truth? It's very hard to talk about truth because truth to a generation may not be truth for today, but you and I have the truth that will last forever. And there's this truth. The truth is that at the end of the day, we women cannot take our liberty too lightly. We need to recognize our role to be quiet. You know, the, the, the scripture, I mean, the world tells us, make your voice known, broadcast yourself. But the scripture says, learn to make peace with your husband. Now everybody grieves their grievances online. But the scripture did not say that at all. The, 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 the world teaches us we have to exert our life. I mean, uh, exert uh, our right. But God said, trust me. I know exactly what I am doing. You see, the call of submission in 1 Timothy chapter 2 makes it clear that it must apply to wives. Amen. God does not want to submit to men at random, but to submit to their own men. Okay, 
These verses do not reference the church. We should let them speak to a woman's proper role in the home. Everybody underline the word in the home. Otherwise, women everywhere will have to stay silent and not teach in schools and not have a career and then everything will go down. I mean, if we believe this scripture, I mean, like, if we take it literally, guess what will happen? I won't be here today because it was Jenny Miller that taught me a Bible study. Amen. Okay? You see, folks, at the end of the day, I love this part. You know, the, once we know who the original letter was intended to be, then we can apply the scripture properly. Come on, everybody say praise God. Come on, I, 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 you're getting this or not? Amen. You see, you cannot just take one, you know, it's written to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesus, they worship the goddess of Artemis. Uh, uh, and the people there, the women are stronger. They are militant. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. Uh, but, 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 but. And, and, and they were taught that, oh, I can tell. I can nag. And, uh, and, and, and I'm afraid that, that in the culture of the 21st century, because you have an education, doesn't give you the right to disrespect the roles that God has intended in the home. Amen. Everybody say praise God. Okay, here's another good argument. I, I, I like this one a lot. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Let's turn there real quickly. 1 Timothy chapter 2, you know. Oh, then, you see the scripture says, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, and of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. See, notice the word, the scripture says, a bishop must be a husband of one wife. So must be me law. If you take this kind of, Interpretation. Then let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21. Okay, it says this, You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Right? So that means, uh, the man, you shall not cover the neighbor's wife. So it's okay for the woman to cover your neighbor's husband. Hello? The key word is blameless. If you are blameless, it means that you have morality. Amen. Come on, everybody say praise the Lord. Are you with me again? I mean, these are crazy arguments. You see, again, you know, uh, 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 the point here is this. I love what David Bernard, David K. Bernard says. You know, I love his writings. You know, he says this, okay? The, this attribute describes the typical case of a married male leader, but the purpose is to require morality, not marriage or maleness. David K. Bernard. Because when you read the, the criteria of a bishop, he says that he must rule his family well. But that doesn't mean that, you know, what happens if the guy don't have uh, children? then he cannot be a bishop. <laughs> the whole gist of the criteria, the qualification is a blameless life. Are you with me here today? Everybody say praise God. Okay, so these are the few scriptures that stands out, you know, that you know, goes against the flow of the word of God. Everybody say praise God. 
Are you with me here today? Amen. Come on, wave your hand at me. Amen. So, you know, I, 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 I probably am done today. You know, very short today, but it's a short Bible study. I trust expound three scripture, but I, I do not want the ladies to feel like today that, oh, let the men do all the preaching. We need you. Amen. Come on, everybody say praise God. So it's time. It's a call for equipping. It's a time that, you know, with the blessing of your husbands, of course, you know, you need to say, hey, I need to be able to teach a home Bible study. I need to get a hold of that living logos and be equipped and be empowered to do the work of God. Amen. You know, what we really need is more ladies getting involved in home Bible studies. And you say, Pastor, you say this, but then you, 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 you want us to be equipped. Why can't I go now? I tell you why you can't go now. If you are not equipped, you'll be bruised. Amen. Because you don't know what you're talking about. And people will make you feel like you don't know the word and you question your salvation, you question the doctrine. That's why there's an equipping process. And the whole idea of the equipping process is to empower you. Amen. You know, I, I love it when I see, you know, a, a, a man and woman coming together to be equipped to do the work of the Lord. Amen. And, and again, you know, it takes time for equipping. It takes time for you to pray. It takes time for you to do what's possible. But in these last days, we need all the help that we can get. Pastors need all the help he can get. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Amen. You know, if y'all still have some issues about this, come, let's talk, let's reason. You know, I, I can give you my notes. I, actually, this notes is really a very simplified notes. There are still more topics that I can cover about, about the Greek terminology and how they remove the word the and things like that. Like from the word woman, they converted the word wife. You know, which I thought, wow, you know, in the 13th century, they changed a lot of this uh, English paraphrase. You need to go back to the Greek to see the fullness of what Jesus Christ is saying, you know, to empower the woman in the 21st century. Woman, you have influence. You can influence the next generation. Use your influence wisely, correctly. Equip yourself. Get involved. Amen. Shall we all stand? Praise God. You know, here's what I want us to do. You know, man, if, 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 if your wife is next to you, you know, or your mom or whoever, just pray, sister, whoever, just pray for them. Amen. And say that, you know, look at them, say, I believe in you. Okay, each other say, I believe in you. Come on. Okay? Amen. I, and if it's appropriate, why don't we just lay hands and bless them? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I want to commit God. Lord, the woman in the church. Lord, I pray today they understand that they have a voice. Amen. They have a voice. And their voice is so needed in these last days. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, let us be 
people that will empower, encourage. Let not our ego be a stumbling block to what you want to do in their lives. Father, you have given them a great charge and we need them. We need them also to be encouragers. Also, God, to believe in us as we believe in them. Help them understand, God, that we need them. God, help us work together as one. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, that you will raise them up, Lord, that you will raise them as mighty warriors in these last days. So, Father, this is a needed topic, God, and I want to pray in the name of Jesus, empower them, anoint them as vessels of honor as they go forth to do your work, O oh God. Father, in the name of Jesus, whether it's in their prayer, whether it's in their teaching, whether it is their modeling the Christian life, you be with them, Lord. I pray, God, that you remove every insecurity and you bless them, God, with a sweet presence today. In the name of Jesus, God, again, God, Lord, we want to validate them, Lord. We want to validate, God, their roles, God, in our life, God, and we want to say thank you, God, for, Lord, our wives, God, our daughters, God, our sisters, God, right now. Lord, bless them today, God. Let them have a great day, God. And Lord, may your journey to use them, Lord, continue. Lord, continue, God, to grow, God, in their lives, in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Praise God. Amen. Look at your, your, your neighbor on the uh, left and right. You know, I, just tell them, I believe in you. Okay? Amen. God bless every one of you.